it's walking to say we are here and we will not tolerate being mistreated in this space and to make ourselves known and to be able to teach at the same time as well. The Ethicist Corner, brought to you by the Kegley Institute of Ethics. Hello and welcome everybody to The Ethicist Corner, a podcast in which we discuss ethics in everyday life. My guests today are Dr. Bree Evans-Santiago, who is Assistant Professor and Chair of uh, Teacher Education at California State University Bakersfield, and Lena Ha, a CSU Bakersfield undergraduate biology major, uh, and who also serves as president of the CSUB LGBTQ Network. Dr. Evans Santiago received her doctorate in education at Illinois State University, and her research focuses on culturally inclusive pedagogy and working with LGBTQ children and families. She's also the editor of a 2020 book titled Mistakes We Have Made, Implications for Social Justice Educators. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in the pod. We're really happy to have uh, both uh, Dr. Evan Santiago and, and Lena here as they're actively involved in organizing um, a series of events throughout the month of October, uh, which is CCB's Pride Month, uh, which is also referred to as Outtober in our local community. And this is a month of campus and community activities that support and advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. So Dr. Evan Santiago and Lena, uh, welcome to the Ethicist Corner. Hi, hello. Thank you for having us. Of course, <laughs> wonderful to have you, wonderful to have you. I wanna start uh, here with some background on, on Pride and Pride Month. And I, I'm, you know, I think we have a really wide audience for the Ethicist Corner. We have people who listen from all over the world, right? And all over Bakersfield, all over the country. And some people might not be familiar with uh, Pride Month and exactly kind of what it is. So maybe, Bree, we could start with you. I mean, could you talk about the significance of Pride Month, maybe for somebody who doesn't understand it or doesn't know what it is? Sure. So when you think about Pride Month, first, I'm excited that now you can Google it and actually find images. And, and it's, it's something that now we are beginning to accept and celebrate um, versus when it started back in the late 60s, we're looking at Stonewall riots, right? So we're looking at this space where um, our LGBTQ plus community was tired. They were tired of being mistreated. They were tired of the police brutality, um, seeing their friends and family, you know, being murdered, hurt, um, what have you. And they finally stood up. So a lot of times when people think pride, they think celebration. It absolutely is. But it started as a riot. When we march, when we walk, down streets um, and do like gay pride and you see um, parades, right? And it's beautiful and, and it's a celebration, but at the same time, we're walking to stand for something. Mm -hmm. So um, it's walking to say we are here and we will not tolerate being mistreated in this space and to make ourselves known and to be able to teach at the same time as well. Holding up those banners and those signs are, are giving people words to learn and to live by. And so um, that's where a lot of that relevance comes from. And from that, it's brought communities together. So you have throughout the summer, so you have like different months like that celebrate. So June is a month that you'll see often throughout the summer. You'll see different pride celebrations, October because of National Coming Out Day and um, things like that. And so the celebrations and the I still call them riots, right? The time that we come together and make ourselves known is a space for communities to come together and hang out, um, support um, local companies, right? And businesses and eat together, dance together, so much dancing. 
and singing and whatever, you know, will, the wind may blow. Um, that's what we do in that time to be able to um, support one another. So um, Pride Month is very special and it's valued throughout the nation, of course, but throughout the world. And that's right. so exciting because more and more countries are taking a part of, of Pride now, even if it's not for a month, but at least a celebration. So. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And so a number of really important values there. I mean, kind of community building, educating, you know, forming um, kind of a place to, 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 to feel safe and proud of who you are, right? And kind of celebrating who you are, kind of all these really important ends. Um, uh, Lena, like from a student's perspective, is there, you know, any, I mean, is there anything you'd add to that about, you know, being a student at CSUB and the relevance of Pride Month for you and, uh, and your friends and peers? Um, so when I first came to CSUB, I was like in that stage of like questioning who I am and like my identity and my sexuality. So I was like um, lost, like in high school, I like kind of pondered about it, but it was like, I don't know, I think it was like the high school peer pressure of being judged. Whereas in college, everyone's like just minding their own business. So like when I got to college, I was able to like, you know, think more about myself as well as like, without like being judged by anyone. Yeah. And um, so like as the years like went on, I like started to like accept my sexuality more, but like I was still questioning my identity. And then um, I had like one professor like ask us like what our pronouns were. And like I was able to tell them like my pronouns were they, them, theirs. And that was like the first time I really felt validated. And like at the same time, like Pride Month was also like starting to like roll around the corner. So um, it was like an opportunity for me to like, you know, test out like my identity and like see like if I feel comfortable with like being like referred to this. And um, I think the first time I heard about Pride Month, I wasn't able to go because of like schedule conflicts. But um, like, I think I think last year was the, my first time like actually participating in it because like my schedule was more free and it was it was when you um pride it was a pride week and it was honestly like one of the best things i've like experienced because awesome. i was with friends i was with it like a community where people were like accepting and i could just you know just be myself and you know like since i didn't have that before i was able to just you know enjoy myself like you know live my life as i wanted it to be right wonderful yeah man thanks for sharing that kind of personal aspect of it too that's really powerful so, I mean, I know, Lena, that you, you also work as president of the LGBTQ plus network at CSUB. Can you tell us a bit about the network and what you do and kind of its importance on the campus for our students? So the network is basically, is like mostly, our mission is just to be like a social network. That's why it's in the name. And um, we have a sibling club that's more on like the political side, whereas like us, we just want to like just keep things in like good vibes, just be here to make friends. And um, some of the things that we've done is like, you know, we like create a network. So like if you're new to the community, but you don't know anyone, you're more than welcome to like join the club and like, you know, meet some, like our line is always to meet some forever friends. And mm -hmm. that's honestly how I feel like um, the club has done. And um, what we also do is just, help you like find your identity, um, you know, validate you. Cause we've also had like members who like identified as this 
but then like started to like question themselves and they like asked us for like advice like how do you know um if you're like this identity and like we tried to give like the best answers but like honestly it's up to them because their identity is their identity right. and only they can know and um they'll like let us know like hey i'm like trying out these new pronouns um just so you know and they're we just be like cool so then we'd like refer to them as like their new pronouns to see like how they like it and mm -hmm. it's just like one way to validate um someone's identity and i feel like that could be like a lifesaver too right no yeah i can see how powerful that could be and that sense of community um so thanks for your work in that network it seems super super important for our campus um Bria, i'm wondering if you know if there's thoughts you have about you know i know you work closely with lena and we'll talk a bit about you know some of the the october month programs coming up too but in terms of you know mentoring and being an inclusive educator for lgbtq students uh, on our campus but or more generally are, are there thoughts you have about you know how people can do that well are there, are there specific things to pay attention to or specific lessons you've learned in doing that work that you think you could share with others sure um first of all i contemplated for a while being a part of the student group so i've been a part of the affinity group for faculty and staff for a while okay. um, since it started so that was um back in 2016 and at the time the students had other advisors so it wasn't anything that i was thinking about um but when i did begin to think about being um a co-advisor for this group um, my concern was the time the, you know, the energy, the time, the money, what will this cost me, you know, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. all different aspects. And um, so I used to, this is kind of a side story, but it'll connect back. So I used to play full tackle football. Okay. Um, Baker, Bakersfield Bombers a while ago. And nice. so um, one of my teammates actually that I helped recruit to get onto the football team um, played on the line with me. And so we became, you know, we connected, but she was a student at CSUB, very young at the time. And so I began to mentor her. And I said, you know what, I'm thinking about doing this club again. And she's like, I'll help you. You know, and I'm like, all right, let's do it. So it was just me and Vanessa, Vanessa Cepeda, shout out to prom king or homecoming king. Um, and we were like, let's just do it. Let's try it. And so we went to one of the fairs that they had and we said, we're trying to start this club. Do you want to do this? And ever since then, you know, it just continued on. So I think um, something for me was having a vision. I always wanted to have a gay prom. I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. And I wanted to be a part of that. We made that happen. We had a queer prom at CSUB and it was one of the funnest times for the students, I think. Um, and having events like that and thinking mm -hmm. about what are the hugs that I wish I would have had? What are the, yeah. the things that I can do to help these students feel good? You know, how can I feed them, right? Mm -hmm. How can I help them? Um, and so I, I just use that to drive my motivation. So regardless of anything else that was going on, I wanted to be a part of their lives and to help this group grow and to continue on because I know how important it is to have that because I didn't. I right. didn't have that um, until I was actually at CSU San Bernardino as a master's student is when mm. I met my first GSA club. Um, and I was like, this is so cool, you know, or whatever. Um, and so I, I knew that that feeling that I had and being a part of that space was important. It takes a lot, you know, to guide them and to support them. Um, and there are some times where we have really strong leaders that can just go and I say, good for you. Okay, let me know if you need anything versus yeah. others. I'm like, 
now we got to take this step. Now we need to do this. Okay. Now. Right. So there is that absolute pressure sometimes of being that strong mentor for them because it is important to keep the club going. Right. But through yeah. it all, you look at the leaders that you helped create and it is mm -hmm. so powerful to me yeah. and so exciting and to see them grow and graduate and, you know, um, just blossom, you know, and develop their identities together. And to be a part of that, I wouldn't trade it for anything. There are many times where I say, mm, do I want to keep doing this? I'm tired, you know, but then I meet with them and I talk to them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can't let you all go ever. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just that, that, the connection that you have, they're, they're my babies. I know they're adults, but you know, I, I love them so much. And um to see the impact that they're having on campus is, is very powerful for me. And um, to me, it's worth it. The, the energy, the time and the effort is worth it. So. Thanks, for, thanks for your work in that capacity. And I, I wonder, are there, are there ways that other faculty or students uh, can get involved with the network if they were interested in learning more about it? Lena? Uh, <clears throat> so um, if they wanna be involved with the network, um, they can follow us on Instagram, which is CUCB underscore LGBTQ. Okay. But um, since everything's online, uh, especially this semester, uh, we've had, um, you know, our regular weekly Zooms where we just like, you know, discuss news that's happening like, quote, on campus. <laughs> and then we just talk about like, you know, what's going on in our lives, just like a cool short little hangout. Um, we have those every week. Um, but we also have like our discord server and like if you don't know what a discord is it's like a server it's like a platform where you can just like chat with people you can make your own like private room okay. I guess is the best you could like describe it and um, it's just the way like everyone can be connected because we have like different kinds of like categories to talk about whether it be like food uh, self-care um, we also like hold like uh game nights or like movie nights and like some people like will they like <laughs> they um have their own like twitch channels they just like live stream games uh -huh. so like um they'll just tell us like hey i'm streaming like come and hang out and like a lot of us will go onto their um channel and just like you know it's like another quick hangout while right. like we watch them do something and so people can message you through basically Instagram to kind of find out about these opportunities if they want to learn more. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. And so I know, I know that you both are actively involved in uh, setting up October, right? So CSUB is pride month and there's a whole month of activities um, that are, that are going to be going on. And I, I'm wondering if, uh, of course we can't talk about every single one of them today, but are there, are there two or three, you know, key events that you'd like to highlight that you're, you're particularly excited about that you want to share to the public a bit? Um, uh, maybe, Brie, could we start with you? Is there an event or two that you're, you're excited about for this month? Sure. So I am just, I'm excited about all of it, um, especially this year, because we had so many people involved that we had to spread it out. We couldn't even have just a week like we usually do. Um, but then we also said, you know what, if because we're virtual, let's keep celebrating. Let's keep it going. Instead of it just being, you know, five days, let's, let's keep it going all month. So um, something that I'm really excited about are some different events that actually even connect with teacher ed. 
And because I'm a part of that, those really stand out to me and I'm excited about it because to me, it has to start in schools. It really does. Um, the inclusivity and the support for, for our kids and for students is very important and valuable. And so for me, something that stands out is um, Out to Brunch with Wendy Garay. And that is um, actually on a Sunday, which is fun. So it's kind of like that brunch you know, atmosphere and to be able to um, talk to Wendy and hear about just being an ally in this space of um, having a virtual classroom and what that looks like for teachers um, to still be able to support LGBTQ students in this time. Um, Sunday, else, October 18th. Sunday, October 18th. Mm -hmm. Out to brunch with Wendy Garay. And that one um, you would need to register for. And then the other event that I'm excited about is On the Bridge to Thriving, a TQBLG plus perspective on learning in the academy. So that is specifically for faculty. So that is um, being hosted by Kia Darling-Hammond. And Kia will present to us information about um, being inclusive in the classroom on campus. So at the university setting. So that's specifically for faculty. And I'm really excited about that. So that's Tuesday, October 13th. Um, at 4 o'clock p.m. And let's see. I think that's it for me, and I'll let yeah. Lena talk about some of hers because there are so many, so it's really exciting. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Lena, anything else you want to highlight there? Um, I think one of the events that I'm excited for is um, our Expressions Night. And Expressions mm -hmm. Night, you know, it happens, like, monthly, but for October, we take over, and it has the theme of um, coming out stories. And it's honestly like one of my favorite events because it's like it brings the community closer because it's like one of those things like coming out stories it's you only share them to like people who you think you know need to hear them and you hear different kinds of stories it gets very emotional and you know it just makes you know I get like very emotional too so like what they feel I feel yeah and um you know there's people who like are either telling like their first time telling their like coming out story to like a family member and like um, or they're just coming out for the first time to us and I think um, it's one of those things that like you know I'm honored to hear your like coming out story and um, you know if someone had like a bad um, coming out experience um, with like their family or something like when they're at expressions night it's always going to be our first time hearing their story so we'll always be there to like welcome them mm -hmm. um another one that i'm uh, excited for another event is um our like dj dance party because um like brie mentioned like a queer prom earlier and um to touch on that um like when i was in high school it was very like heteronormative rules like oh, if you're a girl, you have to go to prom. Your prom date has to be a guy. And like, you know, you have to wear a tux if you're a guy, a dress if you're a girl. It was like very constricting. Uh, and that's why I never really went to it. <laughs> and um, so when I heard about like our queer prom on campus, I was like, oh, I'm very interested. And um, it was honestly one of the best nights of my life. Like I got to dance with like whoever made me happy and just hang out with like a bunch of friends, enjoy some music. And uh, we tried doing it on um, this past spring, but you know, campus closure happened and like, it was one of our like, you know, big events. 
So for like the fall, I know Brie wanted to like try bring like some kind of aspect of like a dance party back. And so like we thought of just doing like the DJ party, you know, it'll just be virtual. Um, it's gonna be on Instagram live and you could just plug your phone into a speaker, just, uh, listen to some music, uh, dance, I would say socially distanced dance. <laughs> so just dance with whoever is in your house. Yes. And um, I think you'd be, I think you're also able to like give like personal shout outs on the Instagram and it's, yeah, I'm just really excited because, you know, I've been itching to dance since the spring. <laughs> yeah, right. Much needed. So that sounds, uh, that sounds awesome. Thanks for sharing those highlights. Um, so and at the conclusion of the pod, uh, just for our listeners, you know, we'll, we'll share some information on how to find out more about these events so you can access them. Um, so, uh, Brie, I wanted to, to make sure we, we touched on uh, your recent uh, book. So congratulations uh, uh, on your uh, book that came out in 2020, Mistakes We Have Made, Implications for Social Justice Educators. Uh, this is available on Amazon for anybody who's interested. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk about, I mean, the, the title is provocative. So maybe, you know, mistakes we have made, um, uh, you know, as educators, right? Or maybe even as persons interested in uh, performing and practicing social justice in our work, right? Maybe within the classroom, but maybe beyond the classroom. Um, what are, when you say mistakes we have made, maybe are there, are there some mistakes that you highlight in the text? Do you think things that people could keep in mind? Is that a good place to start for a central theme or aims of the book? Yes. So every, <laughs> I laugh because some of the stories are quite funny um, in there. Um, yeah, there's a wardrobe malfunction in one of the chapters. <laughs> so I laugh because I, the vulnerability behind this, um, yeah, that's chapter 13, wardrobe malfunction. The, war, the, um, the vulnerability, right, that is within this book um, really helps guide even just my space now to think about who I am and what we need to do as people and as educators especially. Um, we all make mistakes and it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. So you think about even just as we address Black Lives Matter, and we have allies and people say, you know what? I didn't mean to say that. You know, I messed up here. I didn't do this or I'm learning, right? And so I wanted to provide a space where it says, look what I did. I did it too. Like I did this thing and I did not mean to do this thing, but here's what I learned, mm -hmm. right? And so um, it starts off with vulnerability. Uh, all of these various authors that were a part of this great project um, shared their stories. They shared a time where they made a mistake in the classroom. Um, and because of that, this is what they've learned. And this is what research says. And then every chapter ends with thoughts, with reflection. What will you do now as a teacher? What can you learn from what we just told you? What will be something that you can move forward with? And um, the ebook also has links to videos and to new stories that present information specific to this. But from all of it, it's geared toward um, a social justice perspective. So everything that's in that text has us reflecting back and thinking about equity and thinking about justice and how students deserve that space to be able to have access and they deserve this space to be valid and present in all atmospheres and all settings within um, education for sure, but just within the world. Mm -hmm. And so this book 
presents that space. So even when I talk about um, one of the chapters, I'll just use mine for an example, when I talk about the professionalism of dress, and that's mm -hmm. where I said the wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. Um, but what does that mean as a person of color and as a mm -hmm. role model? Mm -hmm. So my dress might be different or the, when I get dressed daily, there's something else that I have to think about. When mm -hmm. I do my hair, what does that mean? Um, and so establishing that identity, but then also understanding what it means in a justice perspective. And so each chapter may address something that you might hear every day, but then there's also that extra to it, that, that piece that is necessary for us to see and understand in the world we live in today and what we could do to help make a difference. Got you. And, and, and I know and the name of the book is to think about ways in which we can kind of create in, inclusive classrooms um, in our work as educators. Are there, you know, are there, uh, is there an insight or two um, that, um, that you could share in terms of, you know, maybe best practices that come out of the text where here are one or two ways that be strike you as particularly important insights about what people can do to create inclusive classrooms um, in their work as educators? Absolutely. So let's, because we're talking about October, there is a chapter um, titled, Are You a Boy or a Girl? And it's talking about student identity. And so there are two stories that start off in that chapter where it says specific examples where a teacher was telling a child, get on that line. You need to be in that line because you know that you're a boy. You need to be on that side because you're a boy. You know, stop playing games or what have you. And then the, the other kids, and this is, I think, fourth grade, the other kids tell the teacher, no, that's a girl. Her name is whatever, right? And so, mm -hmm. oops, ouch, right? Yeah. So yeah. because this kid dresses in a different manner than what society says we need to do, right? Because this child doesn't fit the quote unquote, um, you know, girl persona or boy persona, um, they were labeled automatically and actually embarrassed, mm -hmm. right? And, and mm -hmm. talked down to, and it's all because of this silly rule of boys on this side, girls on this side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. a very elementary example, but that's, you know, we have teachers that do that today. We have districts that establish that, you know, we have the donuts with dad's day, you know, the mommies with muffins. Okay. Right. So what about the families that don't have that? We are excluding right. every day in our education system and, right. and we need to think about that. And so in this chapter, it talks about gender identity and looking at how we need to be more inclusive with LGBTQ plus families and students within our classrooms. That's a helpful example. Are there, are there um, yeah, that gets very concrete and something that maybe some people just overlook, right? And don't see how those things could be, those uh, practices of, you know, kind of dividing students by gender or parent days by gender could be exclusionary, right? Even in, even unintentionally so, but if you're not cognizant of it, right? Um, are, are there other, I know there's chapters maybe about, we're also working with students of color. Are there other lessons about inclusivity, particularly with working with students or families of color um, that, you, that you found particularly powerful in the text as well? Yes, so one of our um, lectures actually in the teacher ed department, um, Dr. David Sandals wrote a chapter understanding and embracing African-American vernacular English. And so um, otherwise known as Ebonics, most people mm -hmm. might think of it in, in that term. And so what Dr. Sandals does is he goes back and, and helps us to understand the history behind it. But he also talks about his vulnerability and his story where he made a mistake and 
began to marginalize his own students thinking that they needed to speak a certain way. If mm -hmm. you don't speak this way, then it's not okay. It's not mm -hmm. proper. You need to think about who you are as a student, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and having other people, other teachers influence that decision. This is how we do it. This is what you're supposed to do. So we fall into this space of having to conform to what we are expected to do as teachers. And that was correct students that said ain't, correct students that said he be tripping, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to the point where we are telling them that the way they communicate isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's, it's not the way that we are supposed to talk. Mm -hmm. And so through that, he helped us see and understand the history behind where that language comes from. And right. to be able to value a student, look at a black student and appreciate their language, but then also still give them credit for them answering the question. Right, 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 <laughs> right? right, right. So we were so focused on the word that came out that we wouldn't allow them to even feel the pride of answering a, a question in the correct manner, you right. know, just because it wasn't the exact way that we would have said it. Right, not and saying we got the so, content maybe, right, of what's said. Yes, yeah. we mm -hmm. totally forget about the content, which is what we should be worried about. But mm -hmm. we are more, you know, concentrating on the grammatical error, quote unquote, right, from this student. And so it's a great chapter, definitely for this time, for us to be able to, to see the historical perspective of where Black language comes from. Um, just, you know, the Ebonics and, and African-American um, vernacular English, A-A-V-E is what is common now to hear. So awesome. yes, it's there. We cover yeah. it all. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you so much for highlighting that and uh, definitely encourage our, our listeners to check that out. Um, so we have a tradition uh, in the Ethicist Corner uh, called the Lightning Round, in which we ask five short kind of fun questions for our listeners to get to know you better. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into those. And uh, so the first question. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, get ready, get ready. If you were stranded on an island, you could have one book or one album, which would it be and why? As of today, I think I would say um, probably Alicia Keys' first album. And I know that that's probably not an answer I would have said two weeks ago, but um, reading, actually listening to her Audible has like made me fall in love with her all over again. So I'm ready for Fallen. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good callback. Yeah, I could, I could use that one too. <laughs> Lena? Um, I think for me, um, an album that I would bring would be Lady Gaga's most recent album, which is Chromatica, because she talks about, like, in the album, she talks about, like, the hardships that she's gone through, and I feel like since I'm stranded on an island, that's something that I would need to, like, motivate myself. <laughs> Got you. Yes, Lady Gaga bringing that positive energy, motivation. I hear it. All right. Um, next question. If you could have dinner with any two people, past or present, who would they be and why? My turn again? Yeah, um, let's go ahead with you. Um, I think, and so are these famous people? I, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for sure. I'd want to sit with her. I know. R.I.P. Love yes. her. R.I.P. Um, and another person. Oh my gosh, there's so many great people that I'd love to sit with. Um, I don't want to get too political, but I would like to sit with Kamala for a little bit. Okay. Just to, yeah. Just to 
to hear what she has to say and to talk to her and just um, as a role model for me, right? So being a black woman in that space, it would be interesting to hear. Yeah, strong duo. Perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I Lena, have read her book, so that yeah. helps. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Lena, how about you? Um, I think for me it would, okay, so I am a very big Lady Gaga fan, so obviously <laughs> I would be um, with her. And um, my second person would probably have to be Stephanie Beatrice. Um, she's an actress. She's um, bisexual, person of color. So it's like a lot of things I can like relate to. Uh -huh. And like both of them are just very sweet, genuine people as far as like I've seen them like in the media. Got you. Awesome. Uh, Lena, let's, let's start with you for this question. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite aspect uh, of Pride Month? Um, I think it's just being able to celebrate who we are, who you are, who I am, without like, I don't know, without any judgment, because that's something that I've been afraid of, just like being afraid of who I am. But like with Pride Month, there's like an actual outlet for me to just be myself and like be in a community where people welcome me. Well said. Well said. Bree, anything to, to add to that? Kind of a favorite aspect of Pride Month for you? Um, I think it's, it's growing up, I didn't get that. So being able to be a part of it is like having permission to be yourself. There are a lot of times where we don't get to do that. Um, you have to conform to society. And during Pride Month, you just let it all hang out. It doesn't even matter. And I love that. I love being able to have that permission and space to, to be who I am. Awesome. Also very well said. Thank you. Um, what is the best movie you've watched in quarantine? And maybe Brie, we can start with you. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> we're watching movies all the time, but now our new thing is the, all the sitcoms and the, the little TV shows. So let me, I, I don't know, Lena, you go. I can't think of one. <laughs> uh, for, okay, so I think it's like down to like two movies for me. Um, one of them's like my all-time favorites. I could watch it like almost every day in which I have for like one instance. Um, it's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, it's very nerdy and like funny and it's like directed by one of my like favorite directors, uh, Edgar Wright. And I don't know, it's just been like a childhood favorite and like, I think this year it turns like 10 years old. <laughs> okay. And like my second one would um, have to be Knives Out, which is like a thriller, but like mystery and like plot twist left and right with uh -huh. like an amazing cast. And I think I had to like watch it twice just to get like the hints without trying to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one too. I didn't see, I haven't seen Scott Pilgrim. I know the movie you're talking about, but I maybe I have to check that out. Sounds like a, sounds like a good one. I recommend it. Uh, both of them also have Chris Evans in it, so. Okay, <laughs> fan of Chris Evans. Yeah. <laughs> Bree, anything you want to throw in there? T we'll, we'll accept TV shows oh too. Gosh. Well, it's just so sad that I've watched so much. <laughs> it's all blur. Even, yeah, to where it's every day you're watching something and that's not, you know, the usual. So yeah. I guess, um, just recent i could just say like from this past week something we yeah. watched um so we kind of do this thing um when over the summer it was like black lives matter and so we were watching a lot of like those movies and then now recently we we're watching um frida so the other day we watched frida mm -hmm. because the the my boys haven't heard of her and so just to kind of share that perspective was really fun so 
Um, That's the most recent that I can remember in the last week. Fantastic. So we'll go with that one for now. Go with that. All right. And last but not least, uh, this is uh, so a question about what is one of the best pieces of advice you've received in your life? Doesn't need to be the best, but one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten in your life. I'll go for that one. Um, don't apologize for being who you are. Mm. Um, and for me, that that's really important as I step into leadership roles because mm. it's easy to conform or to try to be someone else someone you read about, someone that you, you know, were under at one time under leadership and to not apologize for the decisions you make and for who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. That's powerful. I think that's helpful. Nina? Uh, For me, it would be a quote from my late coach um, from cross country in high school. Uh, He said, uh, run your race, have fun, and you'll do great. And that like really like sticks to me because uh, right now I am in my sixth year um, at CSUB and I've had that pressure like coming back at me like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to finish in four years. I'm seeing like my classmates who are also the same age, like graduating and like it's brought me like a lot of anxiety. But um, when I think about that quote, it like reminds me to like relax, like everyone um, runs a race at their own pace. And for me, it's a marathon, not a race, like um, another quote is. And it just helps me pace myself not to like um, stress myself out about like finishing early. And yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, I think this, I think these are some of the best advice pieces we've gotten from, uh, and it, we've, we've asked this question a few times. These are both really wonderful pieces of advice. Uh, so thanks for sharing those. Really, really wonderful. And uh, and I also just want to say so much. Uh, thank you so much for to both of you for for joining us today and speaking about uh, October and, and for your work on campus uh, with the LGBTQ network, with mentoring students, free with uh, your work as an educator uh, and a leader on campus. And uh, uh, thanks again so much. It's really been wonderful talking with you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank sure. you. Thanks for listening to the Ethicist Corner podcast, a production of the Kegley Institute of Ethics. To hear future episodes, follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. You can learn more about Pride Month at CSUB at the website csub.edu slash campus programming. Dr. Bree Evans-Santiago's book, Mistakes We Have Learned, Implications for Social Justice Educators, is available on Amazon.com.